2 Timothy chapter number 4, once again this evening, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and while you're turning there, I'll ask you if you would, please pray for my mother. She's been having uh, a lot of difficulty with pain, and I want you to pray for her. I don't, I don't think she would mind me saying, but she's going to have to have her, a hip replaced, and so uh, she's just dealing with a lot of difficulty and a lot of pain, so uh, I appreciate uh, if you would pray for her. And when she's in that much pain, she's just not in much of a mood to, to make her favorite son biscuits. And so uh, please, please pray for her if you would. Uh, I know that she would appreciate that. I'd appreciate that as well. Uh, we're going to read 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and we'll begin reading verse number 6. And uh, passage we've read every week since we've started this series, and we're going to read down uh, through the end of verse number uh, 18. And uh, I have enjoyed uh, teaching this series. Uh, I've enjoyed studying this series, and uh, I'm looking forward to week after week. And I, I know what the other lessons are, so I, I, it's been hard for me to stay in order because I get, I get so excited about what's coming. And uh, I have uh, put this series, I've already written it as a book, and so uh, that'll be available uh, once uh, it gets, obviously gets uh, through all the process and printed. And this has just been a, it's been a real good series. And tonight, I think, is going to be a blessing to us. As we come to verse number 6, and we'll begin reading, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me, take Mark, and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry." Antiochus have I sent to Ephesus, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Tonight we're going to look at verse 17 specifically, but we'll get through 17 and 18 tonight. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me, and strengthen me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and all that the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lime. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Now, so far we've talked about uh, these companions, Demas, the deserter, Luke, the faithful friend. Uh, we've discussed uh, Mark being profitable, the profitable companion, how he had failed earlier, but yet Paul uh, saw the growth and was able to use him again. Tychicus, that faithful uh, messenger, the one that Paul could say, I need you to do this, and it was done. He could count on him uh, to do that, and we saw him. And then we saw uh, Alexander, the coppersmith, the one who did evil uh, uh, against the apostle Paul and the warning to Timothy. And then last week, we uh, Saul, uh, when Paul is giving his response, that nobody was there with him. And we saw principally how it's, it's, it's appropriate for us to stand with our friends and how we stand with them throughout ministry. But tonight we're going to talk about a faithful Savior, uh, the one who never left Paul's side. And by the way, the same one who's never left your side. And there's some valuable, valuable truths we're going to look at tonight. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray tonight that as we look into your word, may uh, the Spirit of God teach us, may he instruct us, may he change us. And Father, I pray that we'll grab a hold of the truths that we focus on tonight. Uh, I pray that uh, each one of us would grow and realize uh, that no matter what we face in our life, 
Uh, we have a faithful, faithful God. And Father, I pray you bless our remaining time, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me remind you uh, about uh, where Paul is in his life. Of course, Paul is in prison. Uh, he is uh, coming to the end of his life. And he gets to the end. He's in prison waiting on uh, his execution as we see uh, for, in verse number 6. For I am now ready to be offered. He understands that the time has come. He understands that uh, his life is coming to an end. And as he thinks of, he mentions that crown of righteousness that awaits him. He begins to go through this list of what I have given the name of ministry companions. Those that have served with him, uh, those who he has encountered from place to place throughout his ministry. And let me remind all of us tonight, what I've tried to get across to all of us, we are all in the ministry uh, and from the pastor uh, to who's back there on the back pew, from all the way to Brother Willie back there, we are all in the ministry serving the Lord together. Now, I say this every once in a while, I'm going to say it again tonight. What an honor, what a privilege for us to serve the Lord together. As the Emmanuel Baptist Church, God has chosen, God has seen fit to put all of us together to do a work for Him. And so we are serving the Lord together. And as we look at all of these different individuals, it helps us see that there is a role for us to play in the ministry. It helps us see how we affect somebody else who we serve with. It also helps us see and be reminded that anything we do in the ministry, we don't do it by ourselves. We do it with one another. Uh, there, are, there are those who work behind the scenes. There are those who uh, are even praying tonight as, as I preach, and, and uh, I appreciate that. So we're working together, but there are those who would oppose the ministry. Uh, there's enemies of truth. God has enemies. Uh, and if we are going to proclaim the name of Jesus, those that hate him will hate us. And as we push forward with Christ's agenda, there will be those who oppose. Uh, we have to re be reminded of that. Paul speaks of that first answer. We saw this last week. No man, when he's given an answer to the charges uh, as he's in Rome, he's writing, he records this in his last letter. He said, no man stood with me. I want us to notice tonight, as we saw last week, nobody stood with him. We get right to verse 17. He says, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Now, in one breath, he laments the fact that as he's defending himself against these charges, there is nobody there to stand with him. Then, it shifts very quickly. One verse of Scripture later, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Now, I want to make a couple of things, uh, point a couple of things out before we get into some sort of an outline tonight. Uh, we should stand with one another. We should, as Christians, stand with one another. Uh, that, that's Bible, that's principle. And I thank God that uh, we, we can and we do and we have and we need to continue doing that. But if nobody else stands with you, God will stand with you. And I don't think any of us would take all the men in the world, not, not in a spiritual decision, all the support from man in the world and trade it for the support of our God. There's something very, very important I want you to see. If you have your Bible open and you have a pen, I want you to circle the word notwithstanding. That is key in this passage of Scripture. It is key in the understanding of Paul's mindset. It is key in you and I understanding the importance of the truth that he is trying to get across. That word notwithstanding, if you take a modern translation, uh, of course, there is one Bible, and that's the King James Bible. And if you take a modern translation... Most of them have replaced the word notwithstanding with the word but. And what they are 
what they do by replacing that word is basically they're connecting two thoughts. Nobody stood, but God did. But in making that change, they are changing what the Apostle Paul is really saying. And there's a greater truth there than just connecting two facts. Now, there are two facts we see. There's a fact in verse 17 and a, uh, 16 and a fact in verse 17. Verse 16, it is a fact that no man stood with Paul. Verse 17, it is a fact that there was one who stood with him. But we're not just connecting two thoughts. That word notwithstanding is an important word. Notwithstanding is a word that points back to the previous statement. We take verse 17, and there's a statement. The Lord stood with me. What a statement. The Lord stood with me. And we can all say amen to that statement. Apostle Paul, he can get some encouragement from that. If he's discouraged at all by saying nobody stood with me, he can say, well, the Lord stood with me, and he can be encouraged. And sometimes you and I, when we face things in our life, whether it's carrying a burden, dealing with a heartache, or even facing the adversary, we can get discouraged and say, nobody understands, nobody's with me, and nobody, will t- nobody wants to stand. But we can all say, the Lord stands with us. But that word notwithstanding puts an extra emphasis on this statement. Because notwithstanding, the word notwithstanding gives emphasis to the fact, in light of the fact that nobody stood, God stood. The word notwithstanding gives emphasis to the way the Lord responded. Uh, let me say it like this. The word notwithstanding gives emphasis to the fact that how God responds to our trials is never influenced by how others respond to our trials. Don't don't miss this. I wish this was not true, but sometimes man will decide how close they'll stand with you by the price they have to pay by standing with you. Man will aid you sometimes weighing the price they have to pay to stand with you. But the word notwithstanding tells us that no matter if man stands with us or if man doesn't stand with us, the Lord will stand with us. There's the statement, the Lord stood with me. That word notwithstanding is pointing back to no no man stood with me. In spite of the fact no man stood with me, the Lord stood with me. In spite of the fact I stood all alone, humanly speaking. The Lord stood with me. It's very important for us to be reminded that it does not matter. I'll say it like this and then I'll move into, because I've got several points to get to tonight. Nevertheless, in spite of this, God had not and would not forsake him. All men, at first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Notwithstanding, in spite of that, the Lord stood with me. It gives this Christian great comfort to know that the Lord's response and the Lord's faithfulness is not determined by anyone else, anything else but the Lord's own nature. And too many times, I'm afraid we as Christians... Our spirit is affected by how man responds, and that's a natural reaction. But it really doesn't matter what this takes place in this world. God is going to be God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in spite of the fact no man stood, the Lord stood with me. Uh, very, very quickly before I, I move into the, the outline tonight, think back into your own life when you felt like you were all alone and you can look back now and say, I know the Lord was with me. I know he never left me. See, Pastor, I don't know if that ever happened. Well, if you're here tonight, I promise you that's happened more than one time. 
where the Lord stood with you, the Lord preserved you, the Lord took care of you. And I'm thankful, as Paul addresses in this very chapter, and he addresses and he's going to comment on those that were a big part of his ministry and supported him and were faithful and came to him and aided him in accomplishing what the Lord had him to accomplish. But if he had none of that, he knew that the Lord would be with him. And that is the greatest encouragement you and I should hold on to. Now, I'm here to tell you tonight, uh, unless God hinders me, I, I, I'm here for you. I'm going to pray for you. I, I, I will I, I be there in your darkest hours. You know, if, if, if I, if, I'll, I'll weep with you. I'll laugh with you. I'll cry with you. I'll go to Taco Bell with you. thought I'd throw that in there. I'm here for you, and you should have a pastor who you can depend on. And I believe that you're here for me. But you know what's better than that? And that's pretty good. But you know what's better than that? If there's something that ever providentially hinders for one of us to run to the aid of somebody else, there's a God who stands with us. There's a God who never leads our side. And notwithstanding, in spite of, you say, well, well I had a friend for all of these years and they, and they deserted me. Notwithstanding, in spite of that, God stood with me. Yeah. Well, I, Pastor, I, I, I've made some mistakes and, I, and I've done some things and, and, and it cost me some things and, and some people won't forgive me. There's somebody that won't forgive me. Well, in spite of that, God stands with you. Now, let's notice with that important truth in mind, the faithful Savior. Now, you've got to bear in mind, the Apostle Paul is in a prison. He is at the mercy of the most powerful court in the world. And he does not have a sympathetic Caesar, a ruler, to his cause. Nero was burning Christians. He's in Nero's prison. That's why he writes, I'm ready to be offered. Timothy, come. My departure is at hand. And in those circumstances, he could say, the Lord stood with me. Now, I don't think anybody in here has faced that. And if the Lord will stand with the Apostle Paul in those circumstances, I think he'll go to work with you. I think he'll go to the doctor with you. I think he'll stand with you. Notice with that in mind what else he says in verse 17. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. And I want to, first of all, number one, make that point again. The Lord, he said, the Lord stood with me. Whenever we face a trial, the Lord is with us. In spite of the fact some had refused to stand with Paul and others were incapable of standing with him, Paul testified that the Lord was there. I'm thankful for this passage of Scripture, because it reminds me, it reminds us that God stands with us through every trial in your life. I'm thankful for those who stood with me. However, had no one stood with me, I would have not been alone. Uh, he says, the Lord stood with me. Isaiah 41.10 reminds us, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Acts 23.11, In the night... Following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Jeremiah 15, 20 and 21, And I will make thee unto this people a fence brazen wall, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee to save thee and to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And I will deliver thee out of the hand of the wicked, I will redeem thee out of the hand of the terrible. The Lord stood with me. No matter what you face, God is not going to leave you. Now, Christians have left God, but God's not going to leave you. Number two, what did he say? He said, this is so, this is so key, and strengthen me. A trial will drain us physically, mentally, and spiritually. We need to keep that in mind. If you face a trial, it will drain you, not just spiritually, not just mentally, but physically. Imagine how exhausting it must have been for Paul. 
besides the trial he's going through and the, 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 the toll that it takes, um, I don't, I'm pretty certain that the quarters he was living in, the accommodations were not the most conducive to getting a good eight hours of rest. He's endured not one, but many persecutions. We know he has some sort of health issue as, with a thorn in the flesh. So how did he get strength to continue? How did he get strength to endure? I don't think he had a diet that was conducive to strengthening his physical body. I don't think he had a, a, a gym available to him so he could keep, you know, keep his stamina and his strength up. Everything about the environment he was in would drain every bit of strength he had. So what was the secret? It was the strength of God. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Every one of us is going to face a trial in our life, more than one as a matter of fact. Whether you're, 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 God can use things to His honor and glory, but the book of Ecclesiastes reminds us that life is going to happen. Cancer is part of life. Having a loved one taken from you is part of life. Your health decaying is part of life. Uh, and you can have God by your side to strengthen you, or if you leave God, you're going to go through that without Him. I'd much rather have Him with me in my trial. Now, Paul is facing this because of his service for God. And he is drained, he is worn down, and he makes the statement that He stood with me and strengthened me. It was the strength of God that allowed him to endure. Ever see that about a Christian who you know is going through it? And you say, how, did, how, how, are they, how do they keep going? I don't think I can do that. It's the strength of God. Uh, how much strength does God give you? Exactly what you need for that moment, that day. Oh, I, so, so many times I've used that in counsel. And, well, Pastor, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I can get through the week. No, just get through the day. You can get through the day, just depending on the Lord. And the next day, I got through yesterday. I didn't have any strength left. Well, it's a good thing today ended right. Let's do it again today. He strengthened me. Write down this reference, Psalms 37, 39. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. If you are facing a trial today, depend on God for your strength. Depend on Him for your strength. Don't quit. Don't give up. Paul could have recanted. Paul could have thrown himself at the mercy of those who held him captive. But Paul stayed faithful. He did not quit. And what did God do? He strengthened him to get him through that day. Number three, look what he said. He said, he strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known. A couple things I want you to notice there. First of all, God wanted the preaching known. God wants his word to go forth. That's why he says it won't return void. That's why Paul admonishes Timothy in this same chapter, preach the word. He wants the word to be fully known. You know what we're supposed to do in Jacksonville, Florida? Make the word fully known. You know, you know what is our responsibility as Christians? To make, take the word to the whole world. But I love what Paul said. He's in a prison. He's on death row. And he said, God, strengthen me that by me the preaching might be fully known. You go through something, you go through a trial, because, or if you will, allow God to use that, there's somebody by you 
He wants the word to be known. God, we've seen this the last two Sundays. We know it to be true. We've seen it especially the last two Sunday mornings as we looked in John 3, 16, and it's reminded us of the unconditional, really unexplainable love of God. And as we looked this past Sunday on the penalty found in John 3, 16, that word perish, and what that word perish really means to be lost eternally and to suffer for all of eternity. You deserve that. I deserve that, but by the grace of God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that would be our future, but we don't have to worry about that. God loved the world so much, He gave His only begotten Son. He gave Jesus to die for them, for all of us. To the one that says, I reject you, He still died for them. To the one who curses Him, He still died for them. To the lost world, He died for them. God, God so much doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He sent Jesus. He might would allow you to have, this is hard for us to hear sometimes, a health issue that puts us in a waiting room, waiting on results. But God loves that unsaved person so much sitting in there with you. that he would do what only he could do to get you in the same room together. That by you, the word, the preaching might be fully known. And I'm not saying you pull a podium in the middle of the the doctor's waiting room. If you do that, we'll count on the attendants, take an offering, and they'll be okay. But I think you get the point that I'm making. There's several applications of this. Paul was in prison and God wasn't done with him. I'm going to mention this in just a moment. But Paul was going to die when God said Paul was going to die. Well, his ministry's over. He's in prison. He's in Rome. It's going to be all over. It's just a matter of time. Well, it's not over yet. Uh, and if you're here tonight and you're breathing, let me look around make sure everybody is. You've got something God wants you to do. There's somebody by you, by you, the preaching of the word can be known. There's somebody, you'll cross their path, you live next to them, you'll be in the doctor's office waiting room with them, you'll see them out in public by you, and it only you, do you have that opportunity, otherwise you'd have never been there. You know how natural it is for me when I hear somebody who's, who hear of somebody whose child has passed away. You know how natural it is for me to talk to them about that situation because I know what that's like. Because I know if I approach them, the, one of the first questions is going to be is how did you get through that? Well, let me tell you how I got through it. I, I know I'll see her again. Let me tell you how I know that. Now, I wish I didn't have that, but I have it. You know why? Because there's been countless number of people I've been able to witness to and even lead to Christ because of that experience. But I tell you, as a parent, when you have a child who's sick for some time, then you watch that child take their last breath, and you stand by a graveside, it's easy to say, life is over. Ministry's over. But God's saying, no, by you, there's something I want you to do. Well, I hope we, would, I hope we grasp this. Paul wasn't giving up. Paul wasn't waving the white flag. He, was a, he, was, he said, God strengthened me, so by me, the preaching might be fully known. Whatever goes on in your life, God allows that to come through, so by you, you can be a witness You can be a testimony. You can be a blessing. You can be an encouragement. See, that's why we have to have this mindset. We're all in the ministry. The pastor's not the only one in the ministry. We're all in the ministry. We all ought to be about uh, telling others about Christ and, and the advancement of His church. I move on to the fourth statement that he makes and that all the Gentiles might hear. Paul, a Jew, was able to present the gospel to the Gentiles because of the trials he faced. 
And again, we're reminded of every opportunity he had, Paul preached the gospel. Well, it's a fascinating thing to think about the ministry of Paul and how he was the persecutor of the church. And then, of course, he met Christ and Christ saved him. And now he is a church planter and how even, even visiting Israel early in the year and going to that place where he, he appealed to go to Caesar and being able to stand in that vicinity to think uh, that it was his imprisonment that got the gospel across the Mediterranean Sea to the Gentiles and how God used that to get the gospel so that others might hear. And along the way, every opportunity he had, Paul preached the gospel. There's some, and, and this is, if you're not there, you probably will be one day. Uh, you get a little older, your health changes, perhaps your job changes, and you can't do in ministry what you used to do or what you'd like to do. So, do you quit? No. You minister where God has you. You be a witness to those who you now come across. Paul didn't quit the ministry because he was in prison and taken their own. No, it was so that all the Gentiles might hear. Ephesians 3.8, she has more clarity on this. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The fifth statement. You see it there, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Last week I talked more about this. I've mentioned it earlier, and I'll mention it again. Nero was persecuting Christians at this time. Uh, there were several ways he did, did this. Of course, beheading. Of course, during that time, historically, we're told that he would use the bodies of Christians as torches to light the city. But another popular way to kill Christians was by the lion, bringing them into a coliseum or a stadium. Of course, the lions would be released and the people would be uh, cheered while these lions devoured the Christians. And just as a side note, you'd say, how barbaric do people have to be to cheer while others are being devoured? Have you paid attention to what's going on in our world? And the gleeful delight that some talk about, the butchering of unborn babies. And how the celebration when police officers are killed or some others are taken. And I don't know how they could cheer at Christians. Oh, they did it before and they'll do it again. But this is what I want you to notice about this. Apparently, Paul's argument in his trial had been convincing enough to deliver him from, his fate, from this fate. Paul knew it was God that delivered him. He also knew the purpose was for him to preach the gospel to these Gentiles. He was preserved with a purpose. He acknowledges to Timothy, I was kept out of the mouth of the lions. God kept him out of the mouth of the lions. It would be good, a good exercise for all of us to do as a Christian. Think about what God has preserved us from. Well, if you're saved, and not how many of you are saved on your way to heaven? He's preserved you from hell. Talk about that in just a moment, too. I rejoice. I rejoice in the last 60 days. It's in the double digits of the number of church members that have come to me and said, would you pray? I'm having this test done. The doctor think it could be this and this and this. And to God's glory, God has just taken care of every one of those situations. I, I, I knew it wasn't anything anyway. And then we move, get busy and move on. Hold on. Let's stop for a minute. And thank God, not just for the marvels of modern medicine, but for a God who stands with us and preserves us. Boy, I rejoice in being saved from hell, but I thank God that He's, he's, he's saved me from the things of this world. And all of us could testify that there have been situations in our life, but for the hand of God, He saved us and He preserved us. 
And Paul says, he strengthened me for the preaching of the gospel. And, and, and I haven't been eaten by a lion yet. God saved me for that. And he was excited about that. Not just because he didn't want to be eaten by a lion, but he could still preach the gospel. God preserved you to continue to work for him. He preserved you so that you could serve him. Very quickly, I'm almost out of time. God has a record of preserving his children. In 1 Samuel 17 and 37, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he'll deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go with the Lord be with thee. My God, Daniel 6.22, My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Just two examples of God preserving his children. He had a record of preserving his children because he still had a purpose for him. And if God has left you here and God has kept you here, which he obviously has, it's not just so you can just ride out your days. There's something you serve him. If you can't do what somebody else can do, you can still you can draw close to him, draw closer to him. You can pray more. You perhaps you could give more. You could be a witness to those around you. God is the Bible tells us that, that he longs for the saints to be with him. He wants us home with him. And if we're here, it's because there's a reason. The sixth statement he said, we find in verse 18, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. I mentioned at the beginning that if we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to do right and we're going to try and win people to Christ and we're going to try and advance the cause of Christ, then uh, those that hate God are going to try and stop us and hinder us. There's nobody that's going to try and stop us and hinder us more than Satan himself. But the enemies of God will make every effort to hurt us. And I talked a lot about this in the previous weeks. I've seen evil done to Christians. It was even worse for Paul. But notice what he says. Notice what that phrase. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. Paul sounds very confident right there. It didn't, doesn't say, well, I'm praying God delivers me from every evil work. And many times, Christians, we hear the roar of the lion and we think it's over. But it's not over until God's will is done. He said, the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. Well, he's just one of those optimistic Christians that everything's going to be okay. When, he, when, when the real world gets him, then he's going to realize that some things just aren't the way you think it is in church land. Well, I remind you where Paul is. Paul's in a dungeon. Paul's already on borrowed time after his first report, his first answer in the courtroom. He knows his day is coming to the end, and he's writing to Timothy, the beloved Timothy, and he's, he's saying so many powerful things to him, and come quickly, and he tells him about Luke being with him, and he says, oh, and when you come, bring my cloak. It gets cold in the dungeon, and bring the parchments. I've got some writing I want to do, and bring the books. I've got some things I want to catch up on, and he's, he's well, then there was no man who stood with me, but the Lord, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me, and by the way, Timothy, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. Say, Pastor, doesn't that seem to contradict itself because he does lose his life? Um, when God was done with him, he was, he was not going to be taken out of this world until God was ready for him to come home. You and I need to have the confidence that we've got the... Do we have the Word of God or not? Do we have the Spirit of God in us or not? Are we part of the institution that Jesus Christ Himself founded? And, and it was stated, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Is that the institution we are a part of? 
then you and I should have the same confidence. The work is going to get done. We are going to do what God wants us to do. He's going to preserve me against. He didn't say nobody. It's great here in prison. Everybody likes me. Everything's great. They treat Christians so good here. No, his confidence was in the Lord. The Lord will preserve me. Because the Lord still got a purpose for me. He knew, hey, you be confident in your God. You be bold in your, with your God because it is He that will deliver you. You know, it's God. God is never taken by surprise. God can use that which somebody else intends to be evil. And, and you know, there is something in the Bible about Him being able to take those things and make them for good. I think, I think that's in there. God will deliver us if we trust Him. Sometimes we rely too much on men to help us when we are the target of our adversary. I've already stated to you, and I'll state it again. Your pastor's there for you. I'll pray for you. I'll carry a burden with you. But can we not get in the habit of before you call on me, call on Him? Because you know what I'm going to tell you to do when you call me? Call on Him. So you might just bypass a little bit. Call on Him first, then call me. And I'll be glad to join you. The point is, we ought to be thankful. I have people in my life that that I know that if I need, I, I need to get a hold of heaven. And while I am trying to get there, there's some there's some men that I know that I believe can get a hold of God, and I've used it several times in my life. Say, I need you to go on my behalf for this. I'm thankful for people we can depend on. But there's nobody we can depend on like God. And we ought to depend on Him. Paul had nobody. Didn't he have nobody that was standing with him? And he still got delivered from those lions. Because God delivered him. Now, let me give you number the seventh statement I want us to see. He says, And will preserve me under this heavenly kingdom. Think about this. This isn't as crazy as it may sound on the surface once you break all this down. In spite of the fact no man stood with me, the Lord stood with me. He strengthened me when I was weak. Why? So that by me, I I, I still have a purpose. The preaching of the word could be known to the Gentiles. I, I didn't get eaten by the lions. The Lord shall deliver me from evil work. They can't touch me unless God allows it. And will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. What was he saying? What are they going to do? Send me to heaven? You can get a sense in some of Paul's writings that he's, I want to be here to work, but I want to go be with my Savior. I want to preach the gospel so the lost may be saved, but I want to be with my Savior. That ought to be a place that, as a child of God, we all get to. I've got a work I want to do for my Savior. I've got loved ones I want to be saved. I've got a city that I want to be saved. And I, I, know, I know co-workers, I want them to be saved. And, and I look at my nation, I want my nation to be saved. I look at the beings of people in this world, I want them to be saved. But I want to be with, I want to be with my Savior. I want to see His face. I want, to, I want to bow at His feet. I want to sing praises unto Him. I want to leave this old flesh behind. And I want to spend eternity, but I still have a work to do. He's longing for the Savior, but he's still aware of a work he has to do. When Stephen was stoned to death, he knew he would enter into the presence of the Lord. Uh, many have died for their faith, but what happened? They were preserved for the eternal kingdom. Pastor, we've got to be careful. Well, let me, let me help all of us. First of all, no matter what takes place in this world, how violent this world gets, how anti-God this world gets, God takes care of, of us. If there's any place, well, what about a pandemic? Check that off. 
And I'm not minimizing those that have been sick, and I'm not minimizing the seriousness of anything. I'm just saying there's a God in heaven who sits on this throne, and the command of this book is still the same. The command is still to preach the gospel. The command is still in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, to go into all the world with the gospel. We still have those commands, and we need to do that. But what about opposition? He says, I'll be preserved. Whatever happens in this life, God will preserve us for his kingdom. The momentary, the, momentary the, moment, the suffering will be nothing compared to the eternal glory. Think about that. Paul was a man. This is the verse that I think of all the time, and it ought to be one that captivates us. Men who hazarded their lives for the sake of the gospel. That they... It was about getting the gospel out. It was about reaching the lost. And he knew that once his life was taken from him, he had an eternal life in heaven. Can you and I, can we get that same view? Sometimes we as Christians, the way we act, I think we, we seem to think that we're staying down here. You know, we should be laying up our treasure in heaven. Uh, we, we should be... We're going to spend an eternity with our Savior. We're going to get a glorified body. We're, 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 this is not, this is the, these, these are not the best days we have. The best days we have are ahead of us. Well, Pastor, you don't know how good I have it. I don't need to know how good you have it. No sickness, no pain, no suffering in the presence of our Savior. You can't get any better than that. And no matter what price there is to pay here, it doesn't compare to the eternal glory over there. Paul understood that. Well, what would it do in our lives if we understood that I'm preserved into the heavenly kingdom? I have a purpose. God put me here on this earth to do something for him. It's true of every one of us in here. And we're not leaving until we're done with that purpose. And when we are, our purpose is fulfilled. God will take us home because He wants us home. Having fulfilled our purpose. Last, lastly, number eight. To whom be glory forever and ever. Paul concludes this description by offering praise to God. It is God who is with us through the toughest times. Some may stand with us while others may forsake us. Regardless, God is with us. I love the way... Of course, Paul wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I love the way Paul says it. He wasn't saying it looking for sympathy as a martyr. It's like Sunday morning. How you doing? Good to see you. Well, Pastor, let me tell you how difficult it was for me to be here. Let me tell you all the sacrifices I went through. Now, I'm very aware that sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you may be not feeling well. Sometimes it, you do. But you're not going to get the martyr's crown for getting in your luxury automobile and driving down to an air-conditioned building and sitting and listening to the greatest pastor in the world. I mean, you're just not going to get a martyr's crown for that. I'm sorry. You're not going to do it. Now, I'm not minimizing anybody's problems, I'm not minimizing anybody's burdens, but what I'm saying is this. Wait, the fact that we get to speak the name of Jesus, it doesn't matter what other problems we have. We get to serve Him. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. He gives glory to God. He never made it about Himself. It was always about God. Well, there's a lesson in that for us to learn as well. To whom be glory forever and ever. Ever. Well, if you're faithful in your Christian life, you're going to be able to look back through the years and the decades, and you're going to be able to see times where God got you through. Many of you, if I, if I took the time tonight, will not do that, of course, at times say, tell us a little bit what some things God's got you through. Probably most of us, if not all of us, could stand and say, I thought this was it. Either physically, spiritually, or both. I didn't know how I was going to get through this. I didn't know how I was going to get through this, this, this heartache. I didn't know how I was going to carry this burden. I didn't know how this was going to be overcome. But you, you know now that God got you through it. 
Be careful not to look back and say, look at everything that I have overcome. Look at everything that I have gotten through. Because we, we, we stand, that's what he, the Bible says. We don't quit, that's what the Bible urges, urges us to do. But it's God who gives us the strength that we don't have. It's that unseen hand of God that moves that we're not even aware of. He says, I give glory to God. I remind you once again as I prepare to close tonight. I say prepare to close. That leaves me a little wiggle room there. Where did Paul write this letter? In prison? Facing his death. And he still gave glory to God. I imagine then, if you and I get a bad doctor's report, that we could probably still find a way to give God glory, don't you think? I imagine if something in this life breaks our heart, I imagine we can press on and we can still say, He is worthy of honor and glory. I imagine if your life has worked out differently than you had it planned, it changed because something happened you never saw coming. I imagine if the Apostle Paul in the situation that he finds himself in can say, to God be glory forever, perhaps you and I can say the same thing tonight. To God be the glory. I'm thankful for what God has got me through. And I can look back and say, look at what God has brought me through. And if there's anybody who can give God the glory, it's me. You know me well enough to know there's no pity parties taking place up here. There's no feeling sorry for yourself. God's been too good. It's true of every single one of us. Stop thinking about how something could, be, could have done, been done differently and just give God the glory that you're still standing. Just give God the glory that he's brought you through. Notwithstanding, he points back. No man stood with me. To give greater context to the Lord stood with me. It's a wonderful thing when you have others standing with you and the Lord still stands with you. I mean, anytime God would stand with you, that's a good thing, isn't it? But doesn't it give a greater picture when Paul says, in spite of the fact no man stood with me, the Lord still stood with me? You and I will never find ourselves alone. Even the prodigal that goes into the far country, he's still got that spirit of God prodding, pushing. Long after every one of us has written them off, there's a God in heaven saying, come on, come on, come on. Why? Because he won't leave him. he's not going to leave her children alone. No matter what you face in life, I don't know what's going to happen in the days ahead. I don't know what's going to happen in our nation. I don't know what's going to happen in this world. But there's one thing I know. God's in control. And I think there's more than one thing I know. There's two things I know. Let's stand by you. The Lord stood with me. Father, we thank you for your love.